everybody should get a therapist before they need one because the therapist will recognize when something is shifting and tell you it is their job. And I didn't have a context for how important that was. And now I do. If you're a tech leader looking to learn today's best practices for leading high-functioning teams, you're in the right spot. In each episode, we learn from today's top tech leaders as they share their successes, their failures, and their lessons learned along the way. I'm Debbie Madden, and this is the Scaling Tech Podcast, your blueprint for scaling tech teams. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with a dear old, old friend, Aldrich Giacomoni. Hey, Aldrich, how are you doing? Hey, Debbie, I'm fine. How are you? Good. I'm really excited to have you here on Scaling Tech. Appreciate you taking some time. Um, we're talking about a really interesting topic uh, today, and that's burnout, and specifically uh, your experience with it, uh, and which is very brave of you to talk about. So uh, really looking forward to hearing uh, the journey that you went through. First, I want to just, for those that don't even know, you do a little introduction. So uh, so Aldrin and I uh, used to work together uh, about 10 plus years. I can't believe it's been 10 plus years. 15 years ago. Um, uh, in addition, uh, Aldrich's been a member of the New York tech scene for over 15 years. Um, he's a dedicated practitioner of XP and has been for uh, quite some time. Uh, he enjoys the game of Go, playing and composing for the piano and studying martial arts. Um, and you are fascinated by the potential LLMs is presenting for society, and you recently joined an early stage startup called Sublayer. Um, and Sublayer has the modest aim of transforming uh, what we think of software development. Um, very modest aim, yeah. <laughs> very modest. <laughs> um, really excited to see um, how Sublayer develops because it um, looks like a very fascinating company. I'm glad that you're part of it. Um, so. I reached out to you because I saw something that you had written and did a video on uh, talking yeah. about your own burnout. And you had shared that for about four, like four years ago, you started to burn out, but you only realized it eight months ago, Yeah, two months after you quit your job. Yep. And then it took you nine months to recover. So, yep. oh my gosh. Right. And so like, so I want to, I want to start with like, all right. So how did you realize it? Cause you, you, you kind of, suffered from burnout for over three years uh, before realizing that's what it was. And so what was that light bulb moment where you realized, I think I think what I'm going through is actually burnout? Yeah. So just one thing for scale is that the burnout got progressively worse over the three years. It's not like I was at rock bottom three years ago and then just, you know, uh, just kind of survived that rock bottom. Um, but that essentially sort of steps started to happen where I just wasn't recovering like emotionally and intellectually from, you know, what I was going through. And eventually it just got too much. Uh, so the, to answer your question, I realized it because, so I quit my job in, in October. Um, and then my parents were very understanding and very kind about not hounding me with questions about where's the next job? What are you doing? Are you going to live under the, under a bridge? And then uh, I thought, you know, I'd have another job six weeks after without a problem. And then Thanksgiving came around and I wasn't looking for jobs. I thought, that's eh, fine. I can take a slightly longer break. And then Christmas came around and then New Year's Eve came around and I was at my parents' house for Christmas and New Year's. And then at, um, at dinner one evening, my dad asked me, a, I can't remember what question, but a very sort of innocent question about work. 
I think maybe about the company I had left or whatever. And I got agitated. Um, like I, I didn't really start yelling, but uh, compared to what the conversation was before the question and after the question, I essentially bit his head off. Um, and that's when I realized I, I had an outsized emotional response to a question that was not particularly emotionally charged. And that made me realize, oh, this is, this is probably burnout. Um, that, okay, that's so interesting because I think when I, when I speak with folks on scaling tech, I try to think about like one or two things where people can really kind of take away something from someone else's experience because that's what this is all about, like connecting other tech leaders and so we can like kind of, um, you know, learn from others. And I think that's such an interesting thing to file away. Um, if my reaction doesn't fit yeah. the conversation, like, is there something more going on with me that maybe even I don't realize? Yeah, that's that was the point when I started to really think about it. And I spent essentially the first two or three weeks of January really exploring the the theory, essentially going, is this? Am I, am I, you know, sort of hurt at that point where um, it's a problem for me to, uh, like, is there, is there a part of myself that I'm afraid to touch, right? And, uh, and I realized through the three weeks of January, yeah, like, I'm, I'm afraid to, to think about work. I'm afraid to, to try and look for another job. I'm afraid to sort of get back into those waters. Now, before you identified this journey as burnout and you said it came on gradually over time yeah um so two two things so what were there like you know milestones along the path to <laughs> to the bottom um and 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 the second the second thing was like did you misclassify it you know at first so those are kind of related like were there, like a th three months in we were like oh i think i you know um, maybe I'm not eating right, or maybe I'm not sleeping enough, or maybe right. I'm, like, did you like, what were the milestones and what were the misdiagnoses that you kind of um, went through? So the, the biggest misdiagnosis, uh, and this is one of the parts where like my story doesn't necessarily, it's not like necessarily a good match for other people, but they may find something that is important for them is, um, I worked at, um, at a, at a startup that was fairly successful and, and, and went through hyper growth um, before COVID and I got a management position there. So like I went, uh, from, you know, the, being a consultant for a number of years to being an in-house software developer. And then I be, took a, a management position there and management, uh, as I think most of us imagine or, or know is very, very different from software work in a number of respects. Uh, and so I had to make a lot of adjustments to, uh, how, um, how my brain works, how my brain expects context, how it expects information, how it processes things, um, what it means for me to provide value in a company because conversations that I could have for a number of hours in software, which were actually valuable conversations, it would be silly for me to have the same type of conversation uh, in my position because now there's software developers whose job it is to do this. Uh, and so this was... This was hard for a number of reasons. One of them is as the company went through the hyper growth and did so successfully, it also accumulated all of this uh, organizational debt uh, as opposed to you know, tech debt, for instance. And so the first couple of months with the other directors were uh, 
tricky because we had to really go look at all the teams, all the individuals, figure out, is there someone who shouldn't be here? Uh, is there someone who's like not a good fit for the company? Or like, do we have to change this change of how the company internally is, is organized? Do we have to change relationships? Um, that was tricky, but re really the hardest part was for the first time in my life, I actually was sort of responsible for a lot more context than I ever really had to be responsible for before. So I had to accept that instead of doing work, you know, in the XP way of like, I'll take a feature and I'll pair program on it with somebody else and be done with it in a couple hours, or maybe a couple of days, if it's a really big feature and sort of screwed up where there were more unknowns, I suddenly was working on plans that were three, four, five, six months or more in the, in the making that had to be essentially just checked in on. And then I had to delegate a lot of that and make sure, make sure I got the right information, but not too much, not getting people's ways and so forth. So I had to learn how to do all of this. And this put a bunch of, of stress, which is normal because I had to sort of change what I was used to, right? And, um, and so that was kind of the first misdiagnosis was there's a, normal amount, a normally large amount of stress that I'm undergoing. And uh, I was under this assumption that I was just going to recover from it as that went because I would get used to it and so forth. Whether this is a reasonable assumption to make, I can't tell you because I have only lived my life so far. Um, but I, I should have been more careful. And uh, again, this was uh, my my dad was actually very useful once when I was talking to him about um, this a couple months in. And uh, at some point, I just described to him what I was doing, and then I told him, "Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I just I don't have a lot of energy." And he said, "Yeah, you're working sixty-hour weeks." And I went, "No, I'm not." And then I counted and I went, oh yeah, yeah, I am. And I've been doing that for like three months now. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is more than I was, than I was used to. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of ways in which sort of I let life slide a bit and then didn't realize how it slid. And I think that's, that's one of the important difficult lessons for me is a lot of this was a very slippery slope where it was tiny additional steps that are in and of themselves aren't bad, but allow other tiny additional steps. Right, right, right. And I think like, Two of the things that I picked up on when you were just talking about the, the story was number one, um, just sometimes having a conversation with someone that knows you, um, even if you're not asking for them to reflect, they do reflect. But they'll notice, yeah. They'll notice, right? So right. just like, just I talk to someone that knows you and, and I've, I've, I've seen that in my own life and, and people around me. Um, you, you seem different. You seem more tired. You seem more annoyed. Yeah. You seem like you have a shorter fuse than the last 10 years or 20 years that I've known you. Um, and I think that's, um, really important, uh, you know, to, to just have conversations, meaningful conversations with people that really know you so they can reflect whether you ask them to or not. Um, but even specifically asking for them, like, Hey, do I seem like more stressed than when I usually get stressed or, yeah. You know, because I feel something's different. I can't put a finger on it. Um, and the the other thing that I really picked up on is this idea of um, uh, it's easy to miss your inability to recover. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because the the the, the act of like stress, we all have stress. The act of working a long week, we've all done that. Mm -hmm. We're all, you know, yep. we're get control. Sometimes we need to work, put in some extra hours. Sometimes we need to get stressed, you know, or we are in a stressful situation. But it's that, 
it's that inability to recover to like your your baseline state that I think um, is kind of like a sign for like, is it more than just stress, which is not yeah. great, but is it really, is it dipping into burnout or unhealthy long-term territory? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you're, you're right. It was very difficult. Uh, and it made me realize actually, um, I was, I'm trying to remember his name. I think it might've been Adam, uh, when I worked at Stride 2014, I think it was, uh, we were at a client together and he said, uh, he said, everybody should get a therapist before they need one because the therapist will recognize when something is shifting and tell you it is their uh -huh. job. And I didn't have a context for how important that was. And now I do. So, you know, it's, I, that is, that is such good advice. Um, and, and really, I mean, whether it is a professional or a close friend, yeah, someone that someone. Really, like really can see those see those differences, see those trends, and obviously, you know, uh, you know, I know many people in my life that that have said exactly that. Like the therapist is extremely valuable because they know them and because they've worked with them for so much time, and then this thing happened that they themselves didn't even see. Um, yeah, wow, that's I I really love that. It makes me want to actually go get a therapist right now because <laughs> it's, like, it's you know just having someone to talk to and you don't have to be in a huge crisis right, right in order absolutely. to really get 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 someone who's who's trained in really having conversation um yeah and as you said I, someone I, who's going to be a, a mirror for you yeah yes yes I, I love it when i bet you if you or i talked to adam today he himself wouldn't realize how valuable that piece of advice was for you Probably well. I mean, it would be yeah. It was valuable, and I missed it. Right now, now I understand it. Now it's right. But now it's valuable. If right? I could go back, uh, now, I would definitely get a therapist like eight years ago. <laughs> uh, but now, 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 everyone listening to this really like we've kind of now amplified this message, and Hopefully, now it's even yeah. more valuable because it's not just you. It's not just you and I. It's everyone listening can really take this advice. And um, I can I can share you know the the missed lesson from not following the advice. Right. This is what happened. That. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I know I, I I couldn't agree more. And so I'm 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 glad that at least you can look back on it and reflect. So that's great. Um, now, one one thing, um, you know, I've known you know hundreds, if not thousands, of of uh, technologists over my career, and this idea of um, having a full-time job plus all of the things that you need to do in your day-to-day -day life plus you know finding the space to mentally focus on something big like burnout like often those things are very very challenging and i do know many many software engineers technology leaders who have found that not having a job for a while um really opens up that space to to focus on yourself um yeah and so did you find that that was a key aspect for you? Like, do you, I know it's hard to say like, oh, could you have done this with a job? Um, would the outcomes have been the same? But do you think, like if you had to do it over again, would you think that was a key key factor in like that, that, that like October through January period? One thing that, uh, like one truism that we all know is that we take our work home with us, right? Especially yeah. now. Especially <laughs> 
now it's when physically all true. Work. <laughs> yeah, it it used to just mean you know what you you keep thinking about your about your work, and now it might actually mean you know you're here at the dinner table going, I need to just read this email. Hang on, right, right. right. Um, you're on Slack going. It's like, well, I'm trying to help you do your homework, but let me just answer this Slack. It's like, no, just right. And um, so when I was in my in my mid twenties, I was much more heavily in, into martial arts and I did a couple of things that I uh, I had practices like uh, like meditation, things that I would do regularly and things that I let go of progressively because I could not I could not see uh, really what they were doing for me. And um, and then again, thinking back, looking at the opening, see having no longer having to take my work home with me because my t- brain was open to just itself, just healing itself, taking its its own time. Uh, as I was able to get back into this, uh, because most of my time for a very long time was basically playing video games, I uh, I really just couldn't do anything more useful than that. Uh, the what I would describe now as the ability, as a, a reason to do meditation or some version of some version of this, is that um, your mind. I, I hate to not to use another truism here, but your mind is a muscle essentially, and so what you have to teach it to relax because just like you can get pains in your body because your muscles aren't relaxing, right? Like there's you end up being hunched in a position because you have a because you're just tensed that position forever, and you need a massage therapist to work you through it. But the massage therapist can temporarily relieve the pain if you don't make a change in your life for how you got there. It's gonna come back. You're going to re-hunch. And meditation helps you do that, right? You're you're not going to stop taking your work home with you, especially if you're doing it in software, because all this is is thought work. But you can give yourself a structure, give yourself you know, rituals, little patterns that you follow to help create a barrier in your mind and say, okay, it's time to let go of these things for the rest of the day or for the, a couple hours at least, and then allow your mind to go do other things. Yeah, and I like I like how you said that you had these martial arts habits and rituals and you slowly kind of let them go over time without that kind of anchor of the, okay, what's the long-term benefit of these practices? And whether it was a conscious thought or not, like it just kind of happened over time. Um, And I I actually find for for myself that I'm unable to stop my brain from from having um, unproductive thoughts, uh-huh. but I am able to stop the unproductive thoughts if I force myself to re- to do something where my brain must focus on something else, like like yeah. manual work, like gardening or 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 exercise or something where like I have to I am, I'm I'm forced to like okay, if I'm skiing down a mountain, I really have to focus on skiing. Because yeah. Or else I'm going to get hurt at my age. So <laughs> I really have to pay attention to what I'm doing. And then an hour later, you pleasantly realize that your mind is in a good place. Right. Yeah. And so like I kind of have taken to like, what's the thing that I'm going to do uh-huh. to really kind of fill that space in my head? And that seems to work for me really good. Yeah. If that's another, it is another path, which I think uh, will at least keep you going. I, I am not an expert in how the mind works, so I can't really compare and contrast the, the techniques. Uh, but 
so you know, meditation is the only thing I have any experience with. And I don't know if you remember, but during maybe the first Stride Open Space or maybe the second one, you had uh, brought in as a keynote speaker someone who actually did a meditation exercise for everybody. And the the one metaphor he had used that I really liked was when your brain is working, it has this kind of top 50 of like, or of the best thoughts and kind of it's playing those thoughts all the time over and over. Yes. Right. And so what you kind of have to do is let those play out, um, you know, like find a way to have your mind let go of these things. But you have to realize that once it's let go of the top 50 thoughts, yeah, there's another CD underneath as the next top 50 thoughts. Right. Like it's not like the one CD is done. It's there's a whole stack of them. It's you know, it is interesting that you mentioned that because sadly, I don't remember the person who said that, but I 100 percent remember that. And I actually will use that technique to this day. Um, and I'm constantly fascinated about that next playlist. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, when I get when I can get my my brain to the point where I where the, the top 50 tracks or whatever, top whatever tracks are like yeah. in their place, all these new things come flooding through and I'm like, wow, where, you know, and, where did this come and from? And I always think back to that comment. Um, and yeah, it it, was, it's so true. It was a powerful That's image. Amazing. It really, really, really is. Um, it's funny that both of us remember that so long ago. Yeah. So long ago. Um, so, okay. So as you, as you took this journey uh, of the nine months to unburn out, right? So you identified it, you kind of allowed yourself some 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 quiet space uh, physically and mentally, and then and then you 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 gave yourself. You did say this, but I kind of imply I heard you imply this that you gave yourself permission to be like, all right, all I'm going to do is play video games, and that's all I can do, and that's okay. Whether it was okay or not, that was what you could do for a while. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. Were there any other key moments? You talked about some of the key moments on the way down. Uh, right. Okay, so Forrest is like, take some time, do some stuff. Doesn't matter what stuff it is, do some stuff. And then what other key moments? Were there any, like, one or two key things on the way up where you kind of um, helped heal from the burnout over over the nine-month period? Um, yeah, I can, I can tell you sort of steps I noticed, um, which isn't necessarily... You know things that I did to get better, but moments when I realized I was done with a with a layer, done with a step. Okay. Um, so, like first, um, speaking of misdiagnosing, this was really more lying to myself, but we can <laughs> we can label it as um, maybe kindly for myself later. When I when I quit the job in October, I was also the, the timing worked out okay because there was a. Uh, a game that came out uh, on PlayStation 5 shortly after. It was a very big kind of engrossing storyline and I'm a sucker for good stories. Like it was had good myth, good folklore, good world building. So I just played that and really enjoyed it. And then another, like, rarely you have so many games coming out that do this, but like another one came out four weeks later. So I was like, oh, great, I'll just do this one. <laughs> um, so I had sort of reasons to be into video games to kind of follow these things and get lost into these other worlds, right? Like get an escape in my mm -hmm. life, if you will. Right. And uh, the first step that in, that made me think maybe I'm done, I'm kind of done with this step was I I have a side project that is that I put together actually 
when I was when I became a, a manager and I had to start keeping track of all these flows of context, where I implemented uh, a, the getting things done framework as an Emacs Lisp package. Um, and so I dropped that for like a year and a half or so. And then I spent about three weeks of like five, six hour days looking at it uh, and, and implementing it and reworking it and making improvements to it. And and this was, it was like, a, it was a safe haven still because it's it's my code, it's my thing. I have like four people who use it. Um, and, uh... So uh, it was a kind of a safe time to say, can I think about code again? Can I think about processes again? Can I like make things better? Can I write tests? And that, that was nice. And uh, when all of that, that sort of energy and effort was done, I, I tried to go back to video games and went, I don't, yeah, this is, I want to do something else. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, like I'll spend like an hour a day on this maybe at most, but I'm basically done with this. And that made me realize, okay, this is, you know, my brain is moving on to something else. Now, uh, it was three months between between that and the time when I said, hey, you know what I have is workout clothes that I haven't like put on. What if I like try to do crunches and push-ups, right? Um, and that was like another really big step where I went, hey, I have, you know, I have a body, like I should do something with it. How about, you know, how about I take care of myself? Um, in between that, another big step that, that came up was I looked at my apartment and then I went, I, I should clean this. Um, it wasn't like slobby, filthy, but it was, you know, they were clothes that I hadn't folded in a month and a half. Uh, there was, you know, like dust collecting that I had like willfully ignored in like key dusty places. And, um... And then, yeah, the, the kitchen was kind of this like weird mess of like stuff I hadn't thrown away. And so I just, um, I went on, on, on YouTube and I downloaded like playlists of someone who like does podcast style things on, on esoteric topics, which I find interesting. And then I just put that in my ears and started to clean. And I'm not going to pretend I enjoyed it, <laughs> but, uh, but I was able to think about it. I was able to sort of assess it and I was able to go through the work and do it. And, you know, and I was able to maintain this for like two or three months. And that made me think, okay, this is, this wasn't like a one-off, I should clean my apartment. Okay, great. Back to being a slob, right? It was really sort of, uh, sort of another step in the direction of becoming a, um, a self-maintaining human being, right? So that was that was good, and then the when I started to 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 work out again, it was this other okay. I can I'm kind of maintaining myself now. I'm putting in the steps to to maintain who I am, and that's when I that's also when I realized oh oh I can go on LinkedIn now. I can like you know look out for job descriptions, look out for applications, like try to wake up my network and see see what jobs out there will be interesting. So that's kind of roughly the steps. Well, it's so fascinating because what you're describing, you could totally kind of zoom out and and kind of categorize as you emerged from your state of being burnt out. First, you were able to do things that um, you enjoyed 
And then you expanded into doing things that you enjoyed and also scared you a little. Yeah. And then you expanded onto like the stuff that no one likes to do, like cleaning. Like, <laughs> right. Like are the necessary things that, you know, you kind of got to do. Uh, and so, and, and I do, and I do really think that that is a very um, powerful way to look at um, like a, like a repeatable process, right? For for um, coming out of burnout, right? Like, can I can I do this thing that I want to do? Yes. Okay. Can I do this thing that I don't want to do, but I know I should do? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and I, and I feel like those are like you know, uh, you know, uh, like really powerful s- steps and questions that people can ask themselves because I think it's very hard when you are in a state where you are truly burnt out. Um, you look. You looked at that pile of clothes. Yep. You did. They, they didn't just come out of nowhere. They were there the day before. And oh yeah. Weekend, and you just couldn't do it. You just couldn't do it. And then one day you could do it. You're like, all right. You know, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's tackle it. You know, let's yeah. tackle this thing, this chore, this you know, adult duty. Like, have to that's do. That's exactly what happened. And uh, yeah. It yeah, it happened. Even that happened in in steps, right? Because I had um, like. Two years before that, I had kind of categorized my clothes into like two groups of like this. And I was like, ah, this is stuff I need to sort out and maybe throw away. This is the stuff I need to like, I want to keep wearing. And then I had for like a long time. So this was, you know, we're in the burnout period already, but I didn't know it. I had this folded pile in the corner of my bedroom of clothes that I wanted to like sort through and maybe throw away. I just didn't do right. anything with it. That's- <laughs> and so it was just there for two years. It was two years. And yeah. um, which is, you know, like, covid years but still uh now now is that pile still there no it's gone that that's one thing is like i was able to once i folded the clothing i said okay well this is all clothing that i do want to wear and then i went back into my room to actually put it away and i looked at the clothing went i okay let me just get a let me get a garbage bag now and then i'll just put stuff in the garbage bag i'm not gonna wear again and then we'll go from there right it is it is once it was the garbage bag it was a really easy decision to make to it's not it's not a complex task necessarily yet and still you weren't in the state where you could get it done right and now you are and so um i i yeah. really i know we're 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 coming up on time um but i really appreciate your vulnerability your honesty um i really do like every time you were kind of describing your story i was like very instantly like just hearing these key repeatable lessons that I could use in my life that I know other people listening could definitely use. So um, really appreciate Good. You, I'm glad. Uh, taking time to chat with me today. It was a pleasure to see you. Glad yeah, to hear that you're uh, doing well. And um, thank you everyone for listening. It's Bye. a pleasure to see you too. Thank you for having me. Bye. Hey everyone. If you've enjoyed today's episode, Remember to subscribe, give it five stars, and more importantly, share it with someone that you think will benefit from listening. And remember, as always, think about the one to two key takeaways that you can apply today to help you and your team achieve your goals. Until then, keep iterating.